What would you like to behold today? wonder what God has in store for you. He's always asking us to look to see what's going on around us, and I think he will reveal those things to us as we seek him. Before I get into my message, I'd like to go ahead and pray and just uh, help us to focus our minds on what God would have for us. Father God, this is your day you've set apart for us to come away, away from the worries and uh, the strife, the uh, frustrations of life, and just focus on you because we know you're bigger. You've got a plan. You see what's going on. And if we would behold your glory each day, each morning, realizing that your presence is with us, you are guiding us, you are within us and around us, going before us, hovering over us, guiding us, um, we could relax and trust in you. I pray, Father, that today those that are struggling would relax, put their lives in your hands and their situations before your throne of grace, because we know you care for us. Thank you for your guiding spirit within us. Thank you for the many times he pulls us back on track, reminds us of who we are in you. And thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on our behalf that we could have life. I pray, God, that we would have life, abundant life here and now as we serve you and we seek you each day. Bless us as we seek you. Bless us as we find you serve you and walk with you. I pray that you guide us through this service to hear your message. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So last night I just got back from Tacoma, Washington. was attending a wedding of uh, a daughter of a friend of ours that we've known for some 20 years. Crossed the border. We're well on our way, going to a bed and breakfast, beautiful location, when we realized we left our wedding clothes hanging up in our bedroom. So we turned around, went back, I think it was the border three times that day, of course, through once, back again, through again. We got real friendly with the border guards. They laughed several times at us for, uh, for our, uh, but it was a beautiful time of, of maybe even just getting away for us as a couple down south and, and a little bit and just to spend time talking. A lot of time in the car, of course, an extra three hours we didn't count on. <laughs> But a reminder, too, of the peace on earth. Even in the midst of dumb mistakes that we make, uh, it was still a wonderful time of two families coming together, very Christ-centered families, and to see the joy on everyone's face. You know, the fire alarm went off, the lots of different things messed up. It was just, you know, everyone had to leave the chapels and then come back in. God's still in control. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about those things when we know He is. I'm going to look a little bit, I'm going to put a map on the screen here to, just to show you uh, a, a picture of what is happening uh, to our couple that we're looking at. The angel, this is the third Advent Sunday, and the third time an angel is going to come and speak to people in the t- nativity story. And uh, on the map we have Nazareth at the top, and, uh, and when we say they traveled to Bethlehem, it wasn't just like a 20-minute walk down the road. It was actually uh, 70 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, and he had to go through uh, Jerusalem uh, or Jericho, depending on the route you take, and uh, it was hard. So when, when it talks about Mary, we talked about last week taking a journey to see her, her relative, um, you know, there's in Judah, Judah is, is, is down in here, away from the Galilee. 
I don't know, they must have been pretty fit. <laughs> this is the mountain route. It would have been tough. This is the uh, Jordan River route. It would have been a little bit easier, but a little bit longer. And so in this chapter 2 of Luke, Gospel of Luke, we're going to begin at verse 8. We're going to read the story of the shepherds. So Angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, said, you're going to have a son. And he is going to be the forerunner to my son, to, uh, to, to the Son of God, to the Messiah, special role he's going to have. And then the angel comes to Mary, same one. Gabriel talks to her about she's going to have a boy, and he's going to be ah, the Lamb of God. He's going to be the one who takes away the sin of the world, the Son of God, the one we've been all waiting for. And so now we have the birth story. Uh, Joseph and Mary have gone to, uh, gone to Bethlehem, the city of their forefathers. And the birth happens, and then the angel comes to shepherds announcing the birth. And so let's read this together. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and a radiance of God's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen because it was just as the angel had told them. And eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel, even before he was conceived. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Micah pinpointed the exact location of the birth of of the Messiah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah writes, And you, Bethlehem, Ephratah. Ephratah is the other word for Bethlehem. If you hear it, it's the same location. You, being the least among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth to me to become ruler of Israel. He who's going forth had been told from old in the days of eternity. This old times town of Bethlehem, Judah, um, there was another Bethlehem in Zebulun, so they called it Bethlehem Judah or Bethlehem Ephratah to distinguish between the two locations. So Bethlehem, uh, I'm, trying, I'm always trying to find the oldest picture possible. I think, I don't know if we can get to that. Yeah, so can you say this? Can you clear, you have to clear your throat when you say this one, Bethlehem. So the Jewish phrase, and it was on a hillside, this is uh, as old a picture as I could find of Bethlehem. 
uh, it was, uh, it was uh, could be fortified because you want to build on a hill. It's always easier, for, or easier to defend if you're above your enemy. And uh, those that are trying to uh, take over your town had to fight uphill, which was, which was more difficult. And Bethlehem uh, was not far at all from Jerusalem, um, an afternoon's walk. Uh, you could, might even be able to see one of the, the, the uh, city walls from the other. Bethlehem figures prominently throughout the scriptures. We find it, first of all, in uh, Genesis chapter 35. Uh, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, Rachel, she died as they were traveling through this region. And she was buried on the way to Ephrath, or Ephratah, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It's the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed. Israel is another name for Jacob. He journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. So uh, when we talk about things that happened in Genesis, thousands of years back, then we can't always necessarily locate the exact possibly the exact spot. We know Jerusalem, we know Bethlehem, but some of these other figures, let's see the next slide. So they figure that Rachel's tomb would have looked something like this, uh, probably originally this part, and they added this on afterwards. And then there's a tower would have looked something like that, uh, Migdal Eder, a traditional tower that was in the area. And I, you know, as I'm studying this, I'm like, what are these talking about? I don't remember these are part of the story. Well, they figure in here because uh, when the shepherds were, were um, in the area, well, I'll get to that later. You know, well, let's just move on a little bit. I'll leave you hanging. <laughs> so we have uh, Rachel and Jacob traveling through here. We have Abraham also sacrificing his son on the Jerusalem hill. Uh, before that, we have this whole area is a holy area. This is the activity of God with his people. It's just one generation after another after another that figures prominently in this area. Uh, Ruth, um, chapter 4, verse 11, Boaz takes Ruth to be his wife here in Bethlehem, the same city. The city of David, because this is also where David and his, his family lived. David would have been one of these kinds of shepherds that was out in the fields watching their flock by night. So we have the city of David, Bethlehem. We have the region around it where shepherds were doing their job. And we have Jesus being specifically and deliberately born in this city, the city of David. It's well established that shepherds uh, in general were considered to be lower class. They had the smelly job, the stinky job. They slept outdoors. They took care of livestock. They weren't people of influence or education. They had no wealth or property. Most of them worked for somebody else. It would have been a great shock to have first an angel appear and then then an angel army. I don't think it was a choir. It doesn't say a choir of angels. It says a host of angels. And um, maybe they had a military band or choir they sang on the side you know when they weren't fighting off demons and things like that I don't know but it says they were praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth so it's just not something you see every day or once in a lifetime or ever and these shepherds would have been very simple straightforward kinds of people and to be 
blasted by a heavenly host uh, and directing them to Bethlehem would have been, I don't know why they didn't have heart attacks or strokes or something. I mean, really, that would have been enough to put my blood pressure through the roof just to see this going on. But they were stunned. And, of course, the, the angel says, peace, you know, relax, take care, you know, just chill. You know, everything's going to be okay. I've got good news for you. I've got amazing news for you. In fact, this is the best news that anybody's ever going to hear. The Messiah is born. So what do they say? First in verse 10, they say, don't be afraid. Bright light in the sky during a dark night. Who wouldn't be startled by extraordinary otherworldly creatures? You know, I don't know if they knew about UFOs or aliens yet, but these people <laughs> were not normal. And uh, to encounter a heavenly creature, like they had superstition all, all throughout the land anyway, um, they didn't know uh, what we know. Scientifically, all they knew was some creatures in the sky who were telling them some news that was of great joy. There's a possibility that, um, as in the case of the prophet Isaiah, his encounter with an angel, maybe fear came to them because they realized that they were possibly sinful people. And they were meeting a holy God. They were in the presence of holiness. And God's angels were right there. And maybe they would have felt a tinge of guilt. Maybe I shouldn't have told that joke 10 minutes ago. Maybe, maybe I should get forgiveness for how I've been living lately. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they would have felt a little bit of, uh, of I don't, I'm not worthy to get this kind of message. God, uh, not me, like... Tell somebody else. Uh, you don't know the things I've said or done. But in, in any case, the angels say, don't be afraid because you're not in any danger. This is a, that's a party time. At the wedding yesterday, they were talking about there's a time for crying and there's a time for celebrating. And this is a time to celebrate. This is a time to just be happy and rejoice in what God is doing. The second part of the message the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. This is good news that generations were waiting to hear. It's, uh, I was trying to think of how, how to compare, you know, like, I remember when I was a, a, a kid in Saskatoon growing up, and uh, there's five kids in our family, um, between my youngest sister and my older brother, and um, when my grandparents lived in Oklahoma and they would come to visit us in Saskatoon, they'd drive up from Oklahoma, take them a couple of days, and we would post all five kids at stages uh, up the street and down the next street. So and we would have these signals, and if they saw this car with Oklahoma license plates on it, they would start waving, and then they'd start running, and the next person, was, he'd see the wave, and they'd wave to the next brother, and then we'd finally get the message came down to the last person. We'd say, grandparents are here. They're on the way. They're coming down. And then you got five kids chasing after the car down the street to our house. It was like, it was a message that we were, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And if they were late, it was like, oh, where did they ever come? And finally, the good news came because he always brought presents. I mean, you know, <laughs> you open the trunk and what? <laughs> good news of great joy for all people. Good news in a very dark time in the history of Israel, which would be a very welcome thing. And all people on earth should be grateful 
though only a handful of people were given this message. Everyone on earth was going to eventually understand that this news was for everyone. But this night, it was a handful of shepherds that got the good news. It's kind of anticlimactic. You'd think that all of Jerusalem should have heard. Maybe some angel would have come down above Jerusalem, shone brightly, and told the whole city of thousands of people this good news. But just a handful of people. It just keeps reminding us of the principles of scriptures, how a very small thing can have a huge impact. Just a little bit of leaven in bread, in wheat, can, in the bread can make it expand hugely. It's, it's the littleness that God takes and it makes enormous things out of to make a difference in our world. The third part of the message, it says the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. There's a lot of prophecies that are fulfilled in this moment. A realization that the son of David, a descendant of David, had been finally... And David was the most popular king. He, I mean, they're still singing his songs of worship. Um, they, they loved David. He built, uh, had the, got all the stuff for the temple to be built. He was just a warrior king that did with Goliath, did that stuff. And all, all the things that David is all about, they, they worshipped um, the, just the, the idea of his... Um, his king kingdom. And so when you have someone born in the, uh, in the city of David, in the line of David, you're kind of expecting the same stuff. Someone to save the people, someone to lead well, to be a man of God as David was. And Bethlehem was a city of Mary and Joseph's ancestors. And a lot of people were expecting the Savior who would free them from oppression, protect them from the rule over them, uh, protect them from the oppressors, the rule over them as their king, and so he's both, uh, both a Messiah and Lord. So Messiah meaning kind of the, the religious part, the, the one who would uh, represent God, God's son, but also Lord meaning, you know, he's going to defend us. He's going to take care of us. We're going we're to trust in him. We're going to bow down to this king, the one who we will allow to rule over us, the one who sets the standards for conduct and expectations for citizenship. Lordship means this one's going to be in charge. We're going to have to, everything's going to change according to what this, this king, this new Messiah, this new Lord is going to expect of us. It won't be business as usual. The fourth thing that they say in the message is you will recognize him by this sign that you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So not lying in a palace, the seat of power, not lying in a temple, the the home of all the religious stuff, place of worship, where they, you know, because I don't really think shepherds would have been allowed to come into either one of those places the way they were dressed. They wouldn't have been allowed in a palace. They would have been, who do you think you are? They wouldn't have been allowed in the temple because they weren't dressed right. They smelled. They needed to go home and take a shower or something. Well, where could they go? They can go to a manger. They can go to where sheep were. It's kind of their territory. That's what they, that's what they knew best. This place of a manger was a humble location. He was placed on straw in a stable. It just shows us that God's ways are not our ways, not even close. There's no way if we had to come up with a plan that we would put the next Messiah in such a humiliating location. Hard to find. No one would want to go in there. That was where the servants went. Not the rulers, not the bosses. And the message says, glory to God in the highest. 
Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's funny because there wasn't really peace on earth at the time. There was a lot of uh, uproars going on. Herod was very cruel, very mean, very nasty to his own relatives and to the people. He, he squashed any kind of hint of up, uprising. He was not kind. He was ambitious. Uh, he wanted to rule without any uh, opposition. And this is, so when the king, uh, the son of God, the Messiah, the Lord shows up and he's told by the wise men, he, he's nervous because this is the one that's promised. He wants to get rid of anything that would challenge his authority. Right away, Jesus faces opposition, faces uh, death threats, people who want to get rid of him from the very beginning. For many years, I've always thought that these shepherds were very lowly, stinky people. But in the research I was doing this week, I came across another strain of thought that I just thought I'd share with you. And, and sometimes, because it's not in the Bible, it's kind of it's questionable. But sometimes what I hear historically or culturally uh, about the Jewish people at the time, it makes, it makes sense. So I'm going to give you another alternative theory to the shepherds that you can pray about and say, maybe it's right, maybe it's not. I'll let you decide. There's a stream of thought that says that these may not have been ordinary shepherds to which the angels came because they were tending sheep around Bethlehem. And traditionally, the sheep that were tended around Bethlehem were those used in the sacrificial system. So for the Day of Atonement or any, any kind of a festival where you needed a sheep, these sheep that these shepherds closest to the city of Jerusalem were managing were picked. They were taken to the temple. You could buy your sheep, your lamb, and use that as an offering for your sacrifice to deal with your sins. Um, scholars say that these sheep were likely the temple sacrifice. Uh, these shepherds were preparing them, were were checking them out, because they had to be perfect, right? They couldn't have a blemish or a spot on them. They couldn't be half black or white or have a limp. They had to be perfect. And the way they decided if they, were, they would have to be investigated, they'd have to be examined. And they said to do this, they would wrap it in a special temple cloth, put them in the manger, and then examine them. They say that these shepherds could have been actually Levitical shepherds. In other words, priestly shepherds, the ones, the, the ones that managed priestly duties for the temple, for example, preparing lambs, would have been uh, involved in the sacrificial system, would have been uh, certified to do this, the Levitical priesthood, was it all involved with, with the temple activities. Uh, an estimated 250,000 sheep were needed every year to accommodate for the Passover and the sacrifices uh, there and, and other feasts. And so um, that tower that was in, the, in the, the picture earlier was one that was around these fields, and it would have been fairly tall. And they said that being on a hill and in a tower, you could survey all of the sheep and all of the flocks to make sure that they were okay. You could identify any kind of um, threat to the sheep as well. So it would have been a great vantage point for the shepherds. Quite literally, they could watch over their flocks from above. So as priests alone were allowed to perform temple duties, um, 
Many feel that these shepherds were part of that Levitical order, performing duties and part of the animal sacrificial system of the temple. It was their job to prepare these sheep for the Passover and other ceremonies. So then out of nowhere, breaking into the silent night, an angel came from heaven, appearing to them with a system update to the Mosaic law. Can you imagine, and this is what intrigues me about this perspective, the angel is coming to the shepherds to say, what, you guys are going to have to find another job. Because the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, is coming. We're not going to need you guys anymore. We're not going to need the sheep anymore. Uh, You guys are being given notice today that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has come. And they wrapped him in a swaddling clothes, and, and this is where someone else speculates that when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, the priest's, the priest's daughter, the, the, the priest's wife, um, they would have given him, her, uh, sorry, one of these priestly cloths to wrap the Lamb of God in, to put in a manger. So it wasn't just any swaddling clothes that because Zachariah and Elizabeth knew that Mary's son was special, he, he could have given her as a as a baby shower gift, um, take this. You're going to need it when he's born. So I don't know. The, the priest's uh, order that was ter- taking care of the lambs, the sacrificial lambs for the system that God had instituted to deal with the sins, um, they would have known where to go when the angel came to say, hey, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, is born today in Jerusalem. It didn't give any instructions. There was no GPS. There wasn't a Messiah born here. So what they figure is they would have gone to where this tower was and to this location of Rachel's tomb because that would be the most sensible place for a baby, a Messiah, a Lamb of God to be born. And they found him there wrapped in the priestly clothes, lying in a manger, the true sacrifice for the sins of the world. You decide. It sounds interesting, and it kind of makes sense, but you're welcome to do the research into into that as well. So what is the message for us today? First of all, I think God is telling us, you know, you're looking around, you see what's going on in the world, see what's happening in society, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I got this. I got a plan I, I see what's going on. You don't, you don't have to worry because I'm in control. I know what's going on. I will take care of you. There's good news of great joy, he says to us. Because the Savior, the Messiah, he sees you. He loves you. He hears you. He's with you. I sent him to care for you, to be your Savior and your Lord. Follow him, it's going to be okay. Walk your own way, you're on your own. You decide who you're going to follow, who you will submit to, who will be in charge of your life. But let me just tell you, Jesus is the answer. And you will recognize him from within you and as he goes before you and as he watches over you. You will sense his presence in you when you talk to him. When you read his word, you will sense him affirming that he is with you and he will guide you and he will lead you in the days ahead. 
Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. It's a message that the angels took with them. And as with all messages that we've been talking about the last uh, three weeks, it's a message that we are to take. We are the messengers now. We carry the good news with us. We carry hope with us to share to a waiting world that needs to hear good news. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with those whom he has pleased. May we be pleasing in his sight. May we be seeking him and serving him. And may we share with, him, with others around the good news. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a minute and say, talk to God. Father, sometimes we, we, we read through stories that we've read a hundred times and they just kind of lose their meaning. And uh, you don't realize that you actually were putting a whole lot of things together all in this story. And we miss many things. Father, I pray that you open our eyes to see what exactly was going on. Maybe these sacrificial lambs around Jerusalem was what you were saying. My son is going to be a sacrificial lamb. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, the place where all of these lambs were being raised. He's going to take away the sin of the world once and for all. We believe in him. Father God, if there's anyone here who has never realized that Jesus is your lamb of God, your son, your savior, our Lord, if they've never submitted to him, if they've never given their lives into his hand, if they haven't trusted you, God, that you know best, I pray that today would be that day where they would say, I believe. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came to take away the sin of the world. I believe that he will guide me through the rest of my life to bring glory to him. Father God, may we, each one, uh, examine ourselves to see that we are in right relationship with you so that we would not miss any good thing that you have for us, that we would behold your glory and see what you're doing around us and submit to what you're wanting us to do to be involved in your, your kingdom work. Thank you for this church, Father, for the worship we have here today, for the children that are our future. And may we live lives that model what it means to be devoted and committed to you so our kids would see the results of that in our own life, in our own heart. Thank you for this day and pray in Christ's name. Amen.